Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please welcome to the ice the members of the 2016 NCAA National Champions from the University of North Dakota. Welcome back to the Hasbens, presented by 10K Takes, brought to you always by the Chill Boys. And you can go on www.chillboys.com. And listeners, you can type in HB15 to get 15% off your first order from the Chill Boys. Get your underwear, socks made out of bamboo. Now, let's get into our weekend recap here, brought to you by Beauty Status. And folks, Beauty Status is an authentic Minnesota hockey brand, t-shirts, head covers, stickers for the man cave, flags, polos. They've got it all. Good Minnesota hockey stuff for all the fans out there. Go and check out Beauty Status um, on all socials. Their website is www.beautystatushky.com. Ols, what'd you get up to this weekend? <sighs> the Vikings. The Vikings. I was right about the Vikings all along. Suck it. Suck it, suck it. I love the Vikings to death, and I played I played the bad guy all season, and it turns out I was right. It's a damn shame. Vikings suck. Yeah, it's hor- it's horrible. It was a, it was a miserable game. It, it, every game starts the exact same way. We go down, we score seven points right away, and then it's just we just give up, and it's just done, and our defense is the worst in the NFL. I said it from day one. We're frauds, and so I just hope I just hope there's a lot of offseason moves. I think that there there are ways that we can get out of it. But bottom line is, I called it, and I'm pissed about it. Um, but besides that, I did some more painting at the house. We got our stuff moved in. Oh, I also wanted to mention this: pay pay a moving company to move your shit. I went against Gage. I went against Gage, and Gage allowed me to take a truck. And do it myself. And I think he let me take the truck knowing how much it sucks. Because <laughs> I, moved, I moved that shit by myself. Well, with, with Shelby, she tore every muscle in her body. We're trying to carry this fucking, <laughs> we're trying to carry this fucking goddamn dresser. And I don't know, whoever's watching, this door, we had to go out the door and go up the snow. It was the most miserable four hours in my life. I will pay the company every single time to do it from here on out. It was awful, but we did get through it. Um, Gage, I still have your uh, roly poly oly fucking thing. Uh, I got to get that back to you. We, we forgot it at the house, but uh, yeah, it was an eventful weekend. I, I got pissed off from the Vice game and then moved some shit. Um, so eventful to say um, at the very least. Trevor, I moved down the hall no more than 20 feet door to door, and yes. I considered calling somebody to move it because I had moved it three times in the last three years prior to that, and I was just sick of it, and I regret not doing that. Any any distance, it's worth it. It's ter- yeah, it's it's absolutely terrible. I'll pay every cent, every dollar next time. Gage, you have it. You have all my business. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it definitely is. The big stuff for sure, like – the stuff you can fit in your car, you know, I think you can do that. But the big stuff, you know, that if you're doing it 
we, you know, as a moving company, we have tools to make this job a ton easier. It's like, if you're an, if you're a normal person and you don't have this equipment, moving yourself is like, it is just so hard. Like it's, yeah. in, it's insane. But and, and, and I want to say, I respect your business and by no means is this a plug to, to bump up the mini movers. It's just honestly how I feel. Yeah. 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 Thanks souls for the plug there. I appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like you had a had a tough weekend, but that's a good weekend to get in the rearview mirror there. Yeah, get the stuff moved, um, get the Vikings loss out of the way. You know, now we can look forward to the future here and real yeah. life. Yeah, can't wait, can't wait until kickoff week one and everybody's praising the Vikings when we go down and go up seven <laughs> nothing again. I can't wait. <laughs> Veach, what'd you get up to this weekend? Oh, uh, Friday took a half day. I went and got the uh, permanent veneers put on my teeth. I had some temporaries fall off three different times. And, uh, you know, the the dentist there had seen me quite a few times going in. So she was nice to have that off of her plate and uh, get those done for the the last time. Hopefully, fingers crossed anyway. Um, After that, I had the distinct pleasure of trying on seven different suits. I got a buddy's wedding coming up and I'm a procrastinator. So I waited until the last minute and trying on a bunch of them because nobody in the group chat has any of their shit figured out. So I'm trying to do it for everyone and group text with them. And then the bride who's making the decisions. And I just, I don't know how I got roped into being the Guinea pig, but trying on six different ones of those. And then finally landing on number seven, when I went to the last spot was uh, <laughs> brutal. It's fucking tough, man. Especially when you go into a spot and they've all got different sizes for the pants and you feel like a whale in every one of them. Cause the suits are all tight. Now it's, it's it's uh it's a tough look we'll say in, in quite a few different spots um but saturday bounced back a little bit from that um had an engagement party a little surprise that the the fiance's friends had uh put on for us and sat down there watched some hockey games with the boys and then uh yeah i mean sunday everybody knows what happened we're gonna pretend it didn't and, and move on from that yeah yeah mace what did you get up to this weekend uh, not too crazy of a weekend for me. Uh, Friday, uh, one of my buddies who still goes to school down in Ames came up for the weekend. So he came up to the uptown crib and had some drinks, played some Madden. Uh, Saturday, uh, me and the boys went and got some bowling in, you know, knocking a few pins down. Respect. And then, uh, hit Applebee's after just another elite place. <laughs> Um, and then uh sunday uh we had a ton of boys come over and we had a doubles poker tournament so you play with a partner so you switch off like let's say i played the flop or the pre-flop then the next person would play once the flop happens once the cards go down but you can't talk to each other you only get okay. one time out around. That sounds like it's a fight waiting to start, yeah, and not yeah, between yeah. anybody else at the table. <laughs> oh, dude, it was so electric. Oh, my God. <laughs> we play a lot of poker at our house because we have a poker table down in our living room, but that was one of the most fun times I've had playing poker this year. That that was pretty damn fun. But uh, made it a little better watching the Vikings, uh, unfortunately, yeah. take the L. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Well, Mace, that sounds like a good weekend. I, uh, my girlfriend actually had a weekend off, so I brought her up to Forks, um, brought her to the North Dakota Western game on Saturday. 
Um, so she got to see the palace there. We walked around the rink, um, felt pretty cool, you know, had people saying hi to me and stuff. And, uh, you know, I was looking over at her like, yeah, you see that? It's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know what? It was, uh, obviously the weekend didn't turn out the way we wanted to. Um, it was a hell of a game. It was fun to watch, honestly. I mean, six to seven game. Um, you don't get too many of those. It was crazy. Um, we started the third string goalie. I was so pumped to see him play Caleb Johnson. Um, made some big saves to start off the game. It's just uh, the game just got out of hand from everyone. Um, you know, obviously you're scoring 13 goals in a game. It's not really a real hockey game. It didn't feel like it was just ridiculous, but uh, had a good time there. Um, showed her around. And then obviously Sunday watched the Vikes. And then uh, I did have a little life update. I wanted to, stay transparent with everyone here. Um, yesterday on Tuesday, I did uh, have a surgery to remove my right testicle. Um, and this is for the fellows out there, you know, um, testicular cancer is a, a fairly common thing for guys our age. Um, and if you're not playing it, fortunately for me, I like playing around with my nuts fairly often, you know, when I'm sitting on the couch. Um, so I was playing around with my nuts uh, a few weeks ago and, and found a little marble inside my testicle and and went into the doctor and you know they did all the tests um fortunately for me you know there are times where it can spread to the rest of your body which it can get pretty bad um fortunately for me i caught it earlier and you know a scary situation turned into kind of a missed bullet there dodged bullet um but yeah now i am i'm, I'm down a soldier i've got one nut in my nutsack um it's a pretty simple procedure um if you get in if you notice something in your balls fellas go to the hospital right away it's nothing to be scared of um usually they can take care of it if you get in there right away if you put it off that's when bad things can happen so um i can still have kids i can still do everything you know probably just got to be a little more careful with my one nut now probably wear a probably wear a cup when i'm playing beer league um but no i just wanted to fill everyone in on that and just try to make all the fellas out there aware that it is a thing and uh, you'd hate for it to not go unnoticed, I guess, and, and have it get worse. So, um, you know, fellas play around with your nuts every once in a while, just check to make sure you never know what you're going to find. So um, happy to get that in the rear view mirror, but I did want to share that um, trying to stay transparent with everyone, but uh, yeah. Glad, hey, glad to hear everything went well and, and the sucker's out and and you're on the, the rebound. Agreed. It's a hell of a feeling, you know, like obviously right when you feel it, you're fuck, you're scared shitless. You don't know what's to come. You know, you hear like Lance Armstrong had it and it spread to his lungs and his brain and his, you know, heart and everything. So he had a long path. I think he let it go for a couple of years, honestly. Um and, and there's a lot of guys like that. I'm like that too. And that's why I wanted to mention, like, if something's, if you notice something wrong with your body, don't be afraid to go in. You know, there's, I think in my head, you know, I was like, fuck, you know, if I don't go to the hospital, well, then they're not going to tell me I can't, I can't be given any bad news if I don't go to the hospital. So I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to avoid going and that way they can't tell me any bad news. Well, that's the wrong way to go about it. You just get in there, make sure, you know, stay precautious and, um, yeah, I just had to get that out there, but very thankful uh, I found it early, and, and it's a really easy procedure if you do find it early. So, um, 
Yeah, just happy to have that in the rearview mirror. Uh, pretty scary when you find out, but life goes on. So, for sure. Um, well, let's move on to uh, we've already did Stetchy, our guest tonight, Troy Stetcher. He uh, he wanted to hop in on the prediction, so I'll skip over that part later when we get into his interview and we'll go straight to the fun stuff brought to you by butter golf here and uh we'll start off with the nail gun of the week does anyone want to start us off with their nail gun of the week i think mine's pretty easy gage gage you get my nail gun of the week brother i mean that's pretty fucked up like i said we're we're pumped to, to hear everything went well uh you're about 10 pounds lighter after you lost that bugger <laughs> you, think you can run faster now yeah. Oh, yeah. and you know what? Like when I'm when I'm sitting on a couch, I've already noticed it's a little more comfortable. They're not getting as bunched up down there. You know, it's yeah. You don't. Actually, yeah, life's actually a little easier now. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if a joke could be said early on, but hockey players are pretty fucked up. So I figured I'd throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you got my nail gun, brother. Thanks, also appreciate it. I'll jump in. Uh, nail gun of the week: Lee and Penny Anderson. Not not everybody and not every franchise or not franchise program has uh, some donors that they're going to lay out seventy five million dollars to to put in a new facility. So, uh, if you don't know, they they have donated St. Thomas before, and they're donating another massive, massive chunk now. I think it's the sixth largest donation for this type, anyway ever in all of college athletics, not only to a, you know, non-Power 5 school, but um, to schools in general. So, you know, good on them. Great for St. Thomas. Great for the program in general and great for college hockey. So going to have a nice uh, dual-use barn for both basketball and hockey at the St. Thomas, uh, I guess, yeah. facility. So That's a great call. That's that's unbelievable. It's going to be huge for recruiting, too. I mean, that new barn looks oh. nice. Like, yeah. That looked gorgeous. Oh, that's going to be so sick. I wonder if it's the same. It looks very similar to the uh, Omaha rink and the Amsoil. I wonder if it's the same. Same uh, builders? Yeah. I think, I think CC be. did the same ones yeah. as both of those two. Yep, and I uh, think they did. I think they did. Uh, Fargo did it, and uh, Omaha, the, the USHL teams, used them as well. Yeah, even the ASU. wouldn't surprise me. What's that, Mace? Oh, I was just gonna say, even the ASU one looks exactly yeah. like that. Like, yeah, royal same. Well, and uh, Sacred Heart just opened theirs this past weekend as well, and that I mean that's a smaller one, but it looks great. Yeah, it looks sweet. I oh, saw Sacred that. that looks really Sacred, nice. Sacred Heart's ring looks unreal. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's a good call. For my nail nice. gun this week, it's uh, it's gonna be a little, little lighter, a little easier. Um, shout out to the DoorDash driver who dropped off a shit ton of food at my house when me and my buddies were just hammered on Saturday night. I mean, I ordered like one cheeseburger pack, and I mean, we got like four drinks, like two bags of food. I mean, they, they saved the fellas that night. They really fed the family. So shout out to that random DoorDash driver for coming in clutch that night. That's that's sick. You probably got the the last of everything. They had some leftovers. They just started throwing shit in the bag. Yeah, <laughs> I like double check my order. I'm like, shit. I hope I like didn't accidentally order a shit ton of food. Nope, like twenty dollar order, and I got like five bags. So unreal. <laughs> that's was, huge. Usually, like I'm always the person that oh they forget my drink or they oh, forget yeah. like three or four <laughs> items. This is the first time I've ever like gotten more food. So I was just, I was so hyped when I saw it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's unreal. Um, 
All right, I'll go. I got a few here. Um, my first one is going to be a child protege. He's a piano player, self-taught from back in the day. His name is Sugar Chili Anderson. Um, Nasty. And I'll play some of your. I'll play some of his stuff for you guys, and then I'll show you what he looks like. He starts singing too, and he's unbelievable. He's, Look at this kid. He sounds like a young Michael Jackson. Yeah. Look at this, Look at this kid. <laughs> wow. Self-taught. I mean, this kid is a nail gun. Are you kidding me? He can't even reach the foot pedals. He's just <laughs> slamming away. Yeah. I uh, I saw him on Twitter. I had to give him a shout out. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's <laughs> just shredding like. Oh, man, that would be something else to have a skill like that. Um, all right, I'll move on to my next one here. I wanted to shout out Walker Dewar um, for the Calgary Flames. He's the first ever South Dakota-born player to score a goal in the NHL. So um, I'll give him a nail gun there. Can't imagine growing up in South Dakota and making it to the NHL. That's got to be something different there. Um, so I'm shouting him out. And then my last one is Ted the Great Pyrenees defending his land um he, he you know he lives on a farm he's this big dog and i saw this picture of him there's a dead huge dead coyote next to him and it's just this big fluffy dog just smiling like this dog just <laughs> took down a coyote on the family farm that was trying to kill some animals and ted ted the big pyrenees just fucking took him down like hey buddy you're not coming to my <laughs> land taking my fucking animals that's nail gun shit out of teddy there so um had to mention Ted there. That's my last. That's my last of the week there. But yeah, it's, it was uh, just a great photo. I, I might try to find it and show you guys. It's just just a big fluffy dog smiling and just a huge coyote just dead. Like holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then our next segment here on the fun stuff. It's going to be a new one, and I'm going to shout out Paul from West Fargo. Hopefully, you're listening, Paul. You know, I don't know if you remember this. We both had a few drinks in our hands at the Ralph Engelstead Arena on Saturday. But Paul Paul came up to me. He's like, hey, man, love has-beens. Listen, listen to every episode. I got a new segment for you guys to do. Um, you guys should really incorporate going off the nail gun of the week. I think you guys should do the candy ass of the week and just try to pick out a candy ass that you guys saw. So um, I told him we'd try it out. I like that call. It'd be funny to try to find some candy asses on top of some nail guns. Um, I only, you know, I'm, I'm searching through Twitter looking for nail guns, so I'm not accustomed to looking for the candy asses as much. Um, but I did find one. If you guys remember the, uh, the, Hubbard, the Hubbard touchdown return for Cincinnati where Mark yeah. Andrews um, almost caught him and almost tackled him. Well, the running back, if you watch this video, the running back – was the first guy back and they started going to the house with a touchdown and the running back was just jogging. Like he didn't even try to catch him and tackle him. So, so they'd score. He just completely gave up. So I don't know his name is number 35 on Baltimore. He's my candy ass of the week. You get your fucking ass back there and you try to make a tackle. Mark Andrews came all the way back from behind him and almost caught the guy. And I'm sure this guy's probably faster than Mark Andrews. Because Mark Andrews, what, six foot seven, two eighty or so? Like he's huge. This guy's a running back. He probably easily could have caught him, but he just gave up. That's my can the ass of the week for you, Paul. 
Beach, go ahead. Yeah, I got one real quick. Um, I, I'll be honest. I don't know where these kids are from, but it's a bunch of like six and seven year old basketball players. And as a hockey podcast, it's our duty to rip on these basketball kids. But they're sitting doing every celebration under the sun on the sidelines. And it's been passed around Twitter and Instagram and all over. And there's a ton of people celebrating it. But I'm just like, my dad would beat my ass if he saw me out there doing all these little dances and celebrating every little thing out there. And I want all the kids to have all the fun and enjoy themselves. But man, some of that just seemed like it was going way too far. <laughs> I saw yeah. that video. I was going to mention it. Well done. I love it. That's uh yeah, that's a great one. Um, I'll, I'll build off that. Um, I'm going to go stay in the sports world, obviously, but I'm just going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm just pissed off at them. Uh, just really just a candy ass effort um, in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, you've got all this hype, you're playing at home and you just lay an absolute egg. So that's, that's just a no brainer for me. Good call. Uh, Great call. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go Ed Donatel for one of them. But, I mean, I'm going to preface this next one and say, like, it's a sad situation. Don't get me wrong. Antonio Brown probably got CT. Like, he's definitely a little messed up in the head now. But, I mean, this dude cannot keep his meat out of the media, bro. I know. I, mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he posted another snap story of him and his meat on his fucking Instagram and – did he oh really? God, dude. Yeah, yeah he, was get, he was getting domed from his girl. And he posted oh my it. God. I mean. That's candy ass. <laughs> yeah, there's something screwed up there, man. Tighten uh, the hell up. Tighten the hell up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess we could go runner up with, uh, you know, I know I took to Twitter. I like battling people on Twitter. I probably didn't take the right side on this one, but uh, I'll throw Provorov in there as a candy ass as well for uh, not wearing the pride jersey. Um, yeah, he's got religion, but uh, maybe just fucking suck it up and, and get out there. Um, kind of a candy ass move, but uh, we'll move on from that. I know I, I know I hurt some feelings on Twitter, I think, about that uh, conversation, but... There's a couple different ways you can look at it. I, I don't know which side to put, which side to take, but uh, I'll give him the can. Yes, just to just to regain some fandom from from some people out there. Um, I like that. Hedge your bet. And personally, I thought I think those jerseys were fucking nasty. Yeah, um, they're they're kind of dirt. Uh, I don't know those. Regardless, if it didn't even mean anything, that'd be kind of a sick jersey just to wear for a game, uh, yeah. even if it didn't have a meaning behind it, because. Uh, it looked pretty sweet. So, yeah. um, but no, that's, uh, that's all my candy asses of the week there. And my nail guns, um, we really wanted to get into the, uh, stature interview, him playing seven years in NHL, um, being a North Dakota guy, being my defensive partner, um, at North Dakota, we wanted to focus the episode on him mostly. And, and we did have a great interview with him coming up here. So, um, we'll move on to the Troy Stetcher interview. You guys are going to enjoy this one. So now on to Troy Stetcher. Now I'd like to welcome on a very special guest here, um, born in Richmond, British Columbia. Um, played for Penticton in juniors, obviously went to the University of North Dakota. Um, he's in his, what, year seven in the NHL, Stetch, is that right? Yeah. Um, year seven in NHL. He's in Arizona right now playing for the Coyotes. Troy Stetcher. Stetch, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to see your brother. Miss you guys. 
God damn. It's been far too long. Yeah, you fucking bet it has. <laughs> Stretch, you still uh you still look pretty good, so that's good. You know, some of the boys we've played with uh have went through some uh some physical changes within their face or their bodies. Most of those guys aren't playing anymore. You you still look pretty good because you're playing, so um that's good. But Stetchy wanted to get on uh, on the weekend predictions with us. So that's what we're going to start off with. Um, in our first series, we're going to go we're going to go with uh, Duluth at Nodak Friday night. And I've got the line at Nodak minus one and a half. So um, I'm going to. I'm going to go first. I'm going to take Nodak. I think they're going to they're going to be up by one and get that empty netter. They'll win by two on Friday night. I think. Uh, they really desperately need a win here. Um, maybe Duluth does too, but they're at home. So um, I'm going Nodak to win by two that night. Detchi, go ahead. What are you thinking? I got Nodak 4-1. Um, they need a rebound, obviously. The season has gone the way they've hoped. Not the way that we've all hoped yet as well. So um, Duluth's a big rival. Obviously, the national championship and comparing the two teams. So um Got to stick with our boys. I think they pull it out and they they win by three. I'm gonna, Fuck I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, I love that. I'm gonna follow suit. Uh, as much as I know that these series go down, it's three, two, two, one, something stupid shit like that. But uh, I'm going four, two. Uh, North Dakota wins by two uh, at least. I know Vici's thinking the opposite right now. <laughs> Guys, I want to desperately, man. I really do as a Bulldogs guy, but I'm hedging happiness here. I'm riding the train. I think UMD suffered catastrophic losses last weekend. They're in a bad spot and they're in, you know, enemy territory here. I, I see, especially the Friday night game, real tough for them. I'm thinking three, four goals. So four, one, whoever said that, uh, I'm going with that one. I like that. I can't go against the boys. I gotta go no die. All They're right. coming out hot. God, we're we're fucking we just did we just jinx them here? Yeah, we did. Fingers <laughs> crossed, man. <laughs> That's the classic panel jinx right there. Sorry, Jax. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, all right. I like those. Let's move on to the next one here. Denver at St. Cloud Saturday night. And I got Cloud minus one and a half goals. Um I'll start us off again. I think Denver's taking the Saturday night game home. Um, I think they do lose. I think they do lose Friday, but I think uh, a Denver will come out Saturday and they'll they'll be flying back to Denver with a win in hand on that Saturday night. And I do think they'll win by two goals that night. So I'm going to take Denver and the points or the spread. I think Cloud was favored by a goal and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm taking Denver with the points. Sorry. So if De- if Denver loses, okay, I still okay. if they lose by yeah. one, I still win. Okay, Stetchy. But I think I think they're going to win, so I might even go money line on that. Well, that's the bet. You you got to tell us what bet you're going to take. You're going to sprinkle I'm going, I'm going. I'm I'm sprinkling money line. Give me a little extra bumps there. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm going to follow suit. I'll go money line Denver here. I think uh, this time of the year, this is kind of where the the top dogs start separating themselves from the pack and. St. Cloud, the team that's been known to kind of choke come playoff time, and um, I like Denver <laughs> and their history, so uh, I'm going to take Denver. <laughs> I, I respect that. I'm going the opposite because this line is absolutely absurd that Cloud's favored by a goal and a half, uh, so I'll take them to win by three on Saturday. 
St. Cloud. Baby. Wow. All right. Hey, um, They're lethal on that fucking Olympic size sheet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they are. Uh, I I still think on on Saturday. I mean Denver's going to want to win. I think they do lose on Friday, like you mentioned before. Um, I'll take that reverse line. I'll go Denver minus one and a half if you're going to double my odds or double money Ooh, if you want that okay. way. But I like I, that. I think Look Denver Denver plus plus the uh, the points or whatever is is free money there. All right. Like that. Hmm. This is a tough one. Uh, I don't think St. Cloud's going to win by two, so I'm taking Denver. It's going to be a tight series. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the next one here. Minnesota, or sorry, Michigan at Minnesota, Friday night. Minnesota favored by a goal and a half. Um, Gosh. I'm going to take Michigan on this one. They just got pounded by Ohio State. They're pissed off. Um, They might still lose to Minnesota, but they're not losing by two. So I'm going to take Michigan there. Truthfully, I don't follow the Big Ten. I think it's a joke. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I, but I do hate the Ghosts, so I'm just going to go Michigan. I could be completely wrong on this. So <laughs> go Blue. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I've been on Michigan all year, so I'll go Minnesota minus, minus, uh, one, minus one and a half. They'll, they'll win by two. Uh, yeah. I mean, Minnesota and Detroit for coming out really slow on Friday series this year. Um, I wonder if it's different at home versus on the road. Um, I think Michigan's got their best chance on Friday. I think Minnesota still comes out on top, even if you're giving up those one and a half points, there's an empty netter in there for sure. I like that. And, you know, Michigan screwed me last week, so I got to switch. I'm going ghosts at home. Yep. I like it. And now the last one, Quinnipiac, the number one team in the nation, I think right now, um, is is at Cornell. That's That Cornell rink is a tough rink to play in, and this is a pick em here. So um, I'm actually going to go with Cornell here. I think Quinnipiac's rolling, but uh, Cornell's got a tough squad. Um, they're going to win this one at home. The, the building's going to be juiced with Quinnipiac coming in. That, that big red crowd uh, – isn't going to let the boys down on Friday night. Uh, is QPAC, what do they rank? Like one, two? One. One, yeah. Um, I'm going to go QPAC. Kind of, like I said earlier, kind of big dogs separate themselves this time of the year, start to pull away. And they've yeah. had a history of being a good good organization and good college, a good program. So I got to go QPAC. I agree. I think QPAC teabags Cornell this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> Back by a million. The old, <laughs> the old cod tea bag. Oh yeah. Uh, I would I would love for Cornell to knock him down a peg. Cornell, I don't think has it in him. Um, if anybody was going to do it, I thought it would be Harvard. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago with the fifteen NHL draft picks that they have got. Quinnipiac still beat them. Peretz was awesome, um, and Cornell was swept by Duluth. And you see how they're they're doing this year, so. Uh, I think Quinnipiac has it pretty easy. <laughs> I'll switch it up. I'll take Cornell with Gage. Fuck yeah. It's going to be bumping there. Those Quinnipiac boys ain't going to know what hit them when they step on that ice out there. I hope Where you're right. They? Where do they? Where's Cornell play again? What town is that called? It's that. It's Booty up, Cheeks. Up, upstate New York. 
it's kind of a cool little town, but uh, they do have a bridge there that I think they put like, this is kind of get dark, but they, they have a big bridge there that they put like suicide nets under because it's such a hard school and a bunch of students just can't handle it. And they try to jump off that bridge, which is pretty fucked. But that's, it's a true story. It's not like a, that's why just what you, it is. Why would you even bring it up, man? <laughs> <laughs> two weeks in a row now. We're getting dark. Yeah, it's some dark ass shit, man. I'm fucking <laughs> it's a tough school, all right. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh let's get into Stetchy's career here. I obviously I said he's from BC. Um Stetch, now we always ask guys, you know, what I, I know you're in you're from Canada, so pretty much hockey is life. It's a religion up in Canada. So obviously that was the game you're gonna choose. Did you play any other sports growing up or was it always just hockey? Yeah, I um, growing up I played baseball and hockey when I first started at a real young age. Um, as I got a bit older, probably around seven, eight, I transitioned into lacrosse from baseball. Um, played a bunch of box lacrosse, loved it. Um, and then around the age of 13, had to make a choice of what I wanted to play full-time, so I obviously picked hockey. Um and then just growing up, going to pitch and putt, learning how to golf. Um, I had a junior membership, so played some golf here and there in the summertime growing up and, and learning how to play that game and learning a lot more about life, too, and, you know, how to hold a conversation, how to, you know, say please and thank you. And, um, you know, it was good. Yeah, golf does uh, golf does teach you some etiquette in that sense. Um, you got to you gotta show some respect out there as a kid when uh, most of the most of your – most of your environment as a kid, you don't really respect, doesn't, isn't really needed around uh, other kids. But when you hop out on that golf course, it does kind of teach you how to level out and be an adult. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's helping you right now um, with living in Arizona. I'm sure you're uh, golfing year round, which which is uh, probably a big, big plus of living down south there. Yeah, it ain't too bad. What's that, <laughs> what's that handicap nowadays? Uh, it ain't as good as Nikki Swish, but uh, yeah, we're trying to get down there. <laughs> you taking some of your money or what? Uh, not yet. Nikki, Nikki hasn't been swinging the sticks too much, but uh, our schedule hasn't allowed for it. Honestly, we've been on the road so much, but uh, we'll get out and start playing here soon. I'm sure when we're home. Is it uh, what's the what's the temp like there right now? I mean, is it is it like in the 70s or? Yeah, it's like during the day, it's probably around 70, 75. And then at nighttime, it dips down pretty low and like in the 50s. It's kind of chilly. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Sounds like sounds like paradise to me. It's, it's really nice. Waking yeah. up. Um, it did rain yesterday, though, which was it's actually refreshing every once in a while. But uh, yeah. Stetch, Stetch, growing up in growing up in BC, obviously you picked hockey, you know, was was. And you ended up going the college route. What were you ever thinking about playing in the WHL at, at all? And was that like kind of your goal to start out, or was was college kind of in your sights from the beginning? No, for me, college was kind of a, like a really last minute thing. Um, I got drafted in the WHL at fourteen under uh, the Portland Winter Hawks, um, just playing minor hockey out of Richmond, and I didn't even know what college hockey was at that time. Um, Growing up in Western Canada, they kind of promote, obviously, the WHL and how it's associated with Hockey Canada. So that's kind of the trajectory they'd like their players to go. And um, I went to camp there at 16. You're not allowed to play at 15, obviously, unless you're exceptional status like Bedard. So 
At 15, I played major midget, uh, which is like a, an elite level of midget uh, in BC. And then at 16, I went to Portland's camp. Uh, they cut me, and they wanted me to play junior B in my hometown of Richmond. And they promised me five games at Christmas time during the World Juniors I could fill in. Um, at the same time, Penticton was recruiting me, which was junior A. So I figured, why not play at a higher level um, and then just go to Portland the following year? Um, and then obviously when I got to Penticton, being the program it is and the amount of commitments they have on the team, you kind of you, you learn about the college road and uh, you start to do your research and it sounds enticing. So my mind completely switched and I made that decision when I was in Penticton that I wanted to go to college. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty thankful you made that decision. Obviously, um, Kate, we went into college together, ended up being D partners for a lot of it. Um, you know, what was your... What was your time like in, in Penticton now? Like, I know you had some good teams there. Um, what, didn't you guys, did you guys go, did you win the RBC Cup and you play in, or did you guys lose that? You won that, didn't you? Yeah, we won that my second year there. Um, my first year as a 16-year-old, we had a good season. We lost in the playoffs. Um, more than anything, it was my first year living away from home, um, living at a billets and going to a different high school and, being surrounded, you know, by older guys. And then the following year, my 17-year-old year, we won the national championship that year. We had a really good team. Um, we won 42 games in a row. I think it's still a North American junior hockey record. Um, it was, <laughs> 42, it was a <laughs> 42 game heater. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty insane. unique season. And then uh, I went back for another season at 18 and we lost in the league finals that year. Um, Murph was a part of both those teams. Obviously, you guys know Murph, and um, he was one of our best players. So uh, it was a great time in Penticton. I loved it. I still go back to this day and see my billet dad. and have a lot of friends still that live there. So um, it's a great place to play. It's a great place to you hang out. What, what was that? We asked this um, to most of our guests as well. Like, what was that transition moving away from home and, like, really – you know, chasing hockey in that regard, having a new school, new friends, all that kind of stuff. What was that transition like for you? Um, it was something I wanted to do. I could have played either for the Surrey Eagles, which was junior A, which was about 20 minutes from my hometown. I could have lived at home and went to high school or Penticton. I figured I'd just jump all in if I was going to chase hockey, and that's what I wanted to do. So I went to Penticton, and um, I was fortunate. I knew I had some familiarity with some people in the town. Um, one of them being a, the secretary of the high school I was at. Um, her son was one of my best friends. He ended up playing on the team with me uh, later on that year. Um, but yeah, it, I wouldn't say it was hard. I wouldn't say it was easy either, but it was something I embraced and something I was excited to you know, experience. Stetch, what was so, I mean, you're not too familiar with the college game. I know you go to <clears throat> you go to Penticton. Obviously, a lot of guys are going to college. Um, when you do arrive to University of North Dakota, you know what were what was your vision like? What did you think it was going to be like? And then you know, did it live up to the hype? Was it everything you thought it would be? Was it a little different? You know, how did you transition into that when you first got in? Because I know Ols before you got on here um, that summer, you and Murph came in. Um, with Ols in the dorms there, you guys were kind of left out on an island. So you hadn't been thinking like, oh God, what the fuck did we, what the fuck did we decide to do here? 
Yeah. Uh, that summer was something else. With old daddy. <laughs> I remember, my God. I remember like the first day we got there, started sidetrack. We'd like, we'd have a car. And like you get to the dorms and there was nothing. It's something. There's nobody on campus and there was nothing in the dorm room. It was just like a mattress. The <laughs> Murph and I were like, "Well, we gotta go get bed sheets at minimum and some pillows." So we walked to Walmart, which was like way down by Doba from campus. Like it was a hike, man. And while we were there, we decided to buy a goldfish, and the goldfish died on the walk home. It didn't even survive it back to the dorm. <laughs> I, like I tell some of my buddies that I'm like that kind of just like sums up Murph, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like something he would do. But, um, <laughs> expectation wise, like I didn't really have any because um, I didn't know what to expect. Like college in Canada is so different. Um, like the Greek life's way smaller if they even have it. Um, you know, the athletic side of it isn't really that popular um as far as like the support that they get from the community or where they're located so um i don't know i was just excited to try something different i'd obviously seen a ton of youtube videos of what the ralph was like but i had no idea what campus was going to be like um how many students there would be what the classrooms would be like i had no idea yeah stetch when you came in you know um from my point of view, you know, we came in the same year and obviously you're coming in as a freshman. You're looking at all the other guys you're going to compete with. Um, and to be honest, you know, I played in the USHL, so I knew, you know, I played with Keaton Thompson and I knew who Paul Adu was, you know, and, and you were the other defenseman coming in with our class. We didn't know much about you. Um, and obviously all in our heads, you know, we all have different expectations for ourselves. You know, like mine was, you know, Hopefully I can just, you know, get get in some games and, and try to try to uh, find a spot in the lineup any way I can. You were, I mean, you came in right away and you didn't miss a beat. You know, you, I don't think you ever missed a game. Um, you played every game your freshman year and you're a huge part of that team, even freshman year. Was that something you kind of expected of yourself or um, was that a shock to you that you came in and, and produced right away from the get-go? No, like I... <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. Um, I'd recently just decommitted from Nebraska, Omaha, um, and then I recommitted to North Dakota. And then, I mean, the only reason why I went there was because basically the name. Like, North Dakota is such a big program. Um, if you can be successful there, you're probably going to have a good chance of having a good pro career, whether it's NHL over in Europe, AHL, whatever it was. Um, they just had, like, such a good track record. So I didn't really have any expectations, and they didn't promise me anything as far as playing time or my role. Um, I will say that, like, once the season started and I realized I was playing, I was the only guy in our class not drafted. So I kind of had a chip on my shoulder being like, well, I'm in now, and I got to do whatever I can to make sure I stay in. I can't give them a reason to pull me out. So uh, yeah. that was yeah. something I, I tried hard to, to do was earn a role on that team however I could. Do you, do you think not having expectations for yourself kind of helped you, you know, ease into that transition? Like whatever they kind of throw at me, I'm going to, you know, take on the chin and just keep rolling through. You know, I feel yeah, like. I think a lot of it too is like coming in the summer, not knowing what to expect. So like in a sense, I was just like kind of blind to it. So it was like, I didn't feel any pressure to be like, oh, you're going to run our power play. So you need to provide or produce these numbers. I just like, I just went out there and played. Yeah. And what I did was obviously good enough in their eyes to earn a, a you know, a playing time spot. And I just kept going with it. 
Yes. I mean, your freshman year, Stetch, like, I don't know what, I never saw you play in junior, but um, I know you're even your sophomore and junior season, uh, you kind of played a more offensive role on the team, but your freshman role, your freshman year, I think you, you were just straight shutdown almost, you know, wasn't much offense, offense there, but you were hard in the D zone, you know, was that a transition for you? Did you just realize, you know, you just had to be good on D there or were you in, were you, were you always that hard on D even in junior or did you have to kind of transition into that role to find your spot in the lineup that year? I think a little bit of like both, like obviously back in juniors, like even today, it's still true. Like I'm an undersized guy. So I've always kind of had to find a way to defend and be effective. I can't just like out muscle guys or push guys off puck. So I've had to learn, you know, how to box out a certain way and just whatever works for me. Um, and then on the contrary, it was, I had to find a role. Like we had Jordan Schmaltz and Dylan Simpson right in our power play our freshman year. So it was like, there's not going to be an opening for that role. So what can I do to provide, you know, some help to the team or to the lineup that the coaches are going to embrace and give me an opportunity to run with. And obviously that season it was okay. Can you be a consistently good third pairing guy for us that can play every night and can help kill penalties and be you know tough to play against and, a lot of that just comes down to effort and wanting to do it. So um, what I've yeah. it's kind of what I mean, I'm going through right now in my career too. For sure. You've never, you've never been short on effort. Um, I know that's why all the fans and, and all the North Dakota fans loved you because, you know, um, you might turn the puck over in the D zone, but if you ever did, you were getting it back within a second, you know, it was just kind of that, that uh, bulldog mentality. Um, just, you, you got the fans on your side just by working so hard. And obviously um, I think, you know, what's helped you through your career, what I've, what I've noticed was, you know, your ability to talk to the media, that's, you know, people don't think that matters, but it does on a team. You know, when you're a fan favorite, um, the coaches are going to want to play you. The organization is going to want to play you more. And I think ever since you stepped in, you know, you were a fun player to watch on the ice for the fans and you were great you're great in interviews. I mean, how did you, how did you learn how to talk to the media? Um, like you did. I mean, I, I, I remember watching some of your first interviews. I'm like, fuck this guy can, this guy can talk real well. Like, I mean, <laughs> is that something that just comes naturally or did you, uh, did you kind of work on that, um, in junior and stuff? No, I think it just kind of comes natural. Um, like you said at the start of the show, like in, growing up in Canada, like hockey is everything where you come to the States and a large part of it's everything's the NFL. So um, in Canada, like growing up in Vancouver, like all, the only team on TV every single night was the Vancouver Canucks that they weren't playing or if they were playing, like that's what they were talking about. So you constantly saw the guys in the media and then just wanting to grow up and be a hockey player. I just kind of thought that was a part of the job. And, um I think that's just kind of where it came naturally. It was just probably watching TV and highlights as a kid and yeah, these cliches that worked. <laughs> I want to circle back, Stitch. What was that like? Did you? What was that like decommitting um, from Dean Blaze there? You know, what was his reaction when you told him, uh, "Yeah, sir, I'm going to go to North Dakota." Sorry, bud. Yeah, that was um, that was the <laughs> toughest conversation I've still probably had to this day. Um, <laughs> I remember I was in my billet bedroom downstairs in the basement. And he wasn't on speakerphone, but like I had the phone just like in my hand, and I could hear him like he was like snapping on me. <laughs> this was like I was still like kind of young, so like this was the first like actual serious conversation I've had to have with like an adult. So I was like shit in my pants, and 
the truth was I didn't know where I was going to go. I just knew I didn't want to go there anymore. And at the end of the conversation, like, where are you going to go in North Dakota? And I was like, I have no idea. And it <laughs> so happens I actually go there. And then <laughs> we formed the NCHC when I'm our freshman year and Omaha's in our league. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to play against this guy multiple times. <laughs> yeah. The same game. <laughs> That would be scary. That would be so scary because I remember I was with um, I was with Stefan Mateau when he decommitted from North Dakota. Um, and he had to call Hackstall and it was he called he called Hackstall. He was with all of us. He's like, hey boys, I'm gonna decommit from North Dakota. You're gonna want to listen to this. <laughs> so we're all sitting around. He's like, Hey coach, uh, I think I'm gonna go the QMA the Q route and uh, sorry, I'm not gonna come to North Dakota and fucking hack just snapped on him like you know. You know, Steph, there's a right way and there's a wrong way of doing things. I really think this is the fucking wrong way of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all sitting on, we're all sitting around the fucking phone like fucking scary. I could see Hack saying that too. There's a right way and a wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Stone cold killer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Stetch, when you're, you know. When you got to, I, I wanted to bring up our, our freshman class a little bit. Um, we had a pretty funny freshman class. You know, it, a lot of people don't know, but it, when you're a freshman, you're, you're designated, you have to take study hall the first half of the year or whatever, just because they want the freshmen to get good grades. Well, our class had probably the worst grades in the last 30 years. <laughs> uh, so we had to, I mean, we, we had to go to study hall the second semester we had to go to study hall our sophomore year, you know, like, and there was one, there was one, uh, I think it was before the season started. We all had like summer classes. We're all like, we all have these classes and we're not, we're not doing too well. And I think you and Marv were in a class. You both had like a 13% in the class or something. It was like halfway through the semester and hack brings, <laughs> hack comes up to us in the weight room. He's like, Hey boys, how's class going? You know, how are you guys doing? How are you guys, uh, Stetch Murph, how's that class going? And you guys are just staring him in the eye. Like, yeah, no, it's going great. Doing well. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole time he just knows you guys have a 13%. He's like, what the fuck are these guys saying? <laughs> I mean, what were we supposed to say, man? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we haven't been going, man. Like, <laughs> I have to get out of this. <laughs> we have to drop this one. It, it, Mr. B is, it's going great, coach. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. What are you supposed to say in that situation? Like, you want me to, you want me to tell you the truth? <laughs> the best part is, is like the week before the final exam for that class in the summer, Hack like pulled Murph and I away. He's like, "Hey, you have to go meet with these three individuals, and you have to drop that class. It won't go on your transcript." We're like, oh, "All right, that was easy." <laughs> but I, don't know, I, don't <laughs> I think one of my favorite, one of my favorite sketchy memories was uh, when we got there my freshman year. Um, all of a sudden, you know, three, four weeks get in, we get comfortable. All of a sudden, Stetch and some other boys start coming over. We're playing Mario Party Mario Party instead of going to our comm classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, me, Cameron, Pooley. Yeah. Well, tall. <laughs> Mario Party instead of going to class. <laughs> Play up to like five stars. Yeah. <laughs> Mario party and sick class. Oh man, I was, I was class today, boys. That was good. Got a couple wins. <laughs> well, how about our junior year, Ozzy? Like when it was like, 
at 420. It was you, me, Paulie, Tomer, and Larry. We all lived together. And we'd wake up in the morning and we'd text the group chat, be like, anybody going to class? Like, nah, anybody want to go to Darcy's? And everybody would be like, yep, 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 yep. We'd all go to bed at night and be like, yeah, I'm like, fuck, I got to go to class tomorrow. Yeah. I'll, everyone's like, yeah, I got to, I better go too. And then we'd wake up, everyone laying in bed, like, yeah. Should we go to Darcy's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> End up going to Darcy's. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, it's good shit. Um, Stetch, remember, what was your guys' thought process, you know, because as a freshman, um, you're supposed to you're, you're supposed to provide the party with beer, you know, like you're supposed to buy the beer and we used to switch off. Well, Whenever we'd send you and Marvin, you'd come out with fucking 18 racks and we'd all get fucking just shredded because we were supposed to bring 30 racks. But Marvin Stetch are like, fuck, the 18 racks were on sale, boys. I had to go fucking 18 racks. <laughs> I mean, I was on a budget, man. Like, I didn't have much money to spend. So, I mean, I remember calling mom and be like, hey, mom, we need a $20 bill for like a 30 rack of bush light. Like, once I flew in, that that's what the boys wanted. But yeah. <laughs> You're trial and error. You live and learn. <laughs> um, Take this Fedco pole. I'm like, ah, all right. <laughs> yeah. How about when? How about when Dusky made? How about when Dusky made you and Marv uh, some Caesars in this summer, and then you left them. You you didn't drink them, and Dusky found them, and you had to drink a, like a three day old Caesar because you let it go to waste. <laughs> That was at the anthill, man. <laughs> the place was a sauna too. I think it was like warm. It was gross. That was, that was hazing at its finest. <laughs> oh, so good. I still remember when I still remember when you and not uh, when you and Marv were arguing in the car as well. You remember that we're driving to a party and you and Marv were arguing, and Marv just fucking Marv just gets to the back seat and suckies you in the face when we're driving down the road. These two are, these two are tilting each other when we're driving down, what was it, Gateway, I think? It's just tilting. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a lot of stories like that. You remember when Tom crashed in the, the or was it the Taco John's parking lot in the post? <laughs> <laughs> like, the week leading up, guys always, like, hit the door, like, make that sound, be like, oh, you crashed. And then, sure enough, Larry... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'd be pulling into a parking spot. You'd hit the side of the door, like, oh, what was that? Uh, uh, well, Stetch, um, we always ask guys, you know, where was your favorite spot to go on the road um, in college? Favorite spot to go on the road? Um, I don't think Denver would be number one, but Denver was a great place to go just because of the fan support we got there. There was like obviously a huge following in kind of the Denver area of North Dakota alums. So that that was always fun. And they were such a good team and obviously like our biggest rival. Um, but yeah, like I loved going to St. Cloud. I'm going to go kind of the Olympic ice. Um, just knowing like those boards were absolute cement because they kind of had that tin roof. So it was going to be loud ice. I don't know. They had really hard, fast ice. I love playing at St. Cloud. I was that was a fun series, dump of a town, but uh, yeah, great awesome. atmosphere. Yeah, Stitch. My favorite road trip I think that we ever had was we went to Duluth, um, our junior year. When that was when Duluth was really good that year, and we beat them Friday nights, and then we uh, 
we ended up going to one of their house parties Friday <laughs> yeah. night in our track suits. <laughs> and then we're at this house party like fucking right. It's like in our track suits in Duluth. And then we go play Saturday and we get pumped, but we still come out the win. Like we got outshot 40 to 12 and we win like yeah. two to one. <laughs> that, was my, that was my favorite fucking series. We cut, completely should have lost. We went out Friday and we just yeah. squeaked out a win. We're listening to Santa Claus is coming to town that <laughs> <Yeah>. Saturday night. <laughs> just laughing like fucking rights, boys. We can't fucking lose. Yeah. I think my favorite like all time weekend though was when we swept uh Denver in Denver the year we won yeah. the national championship. Obviously they ended up sweeping us in Grand Forks later that year, but at that time when we swept them, I was like, Oh man, that was a big weekend for the boys. Yeah. Oh yeah. We had some fucking big weekends. Um Tampa was a pretty good time as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you remember getting into almost do you remember the CVS story in Tampa? Yes. <laughs> like, when we when we when we got in the fucking Uber with this Boston guy. Uber, yeah. 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 We get in this we get in this Uber. We get in this Uber with this bus. We're at uh we're at like CVS getting like Pedialytes or something and and uh we get in this Uber to get back to the hotel and this guy is from Boston and He's driving the fucking Uber and we're all sitting in the back seat and he's driving down the road at like 10 miles over speed limit. And he's telling us a story, just like looking straight back at us while he's driving. He's like, yeah, you know, we're in Boston here. And, he's, and we're like, holy, holy fuck. Like, look at the fucking road, man. Like he ran like three red lights. He almost fucking hit like eight people. And we're like in the back, like, holy Jesus. Fuck. <laughs> You know, like you know, like Tom and and Ozzy and Paulie, they like over exaggerate a bunch of stories. Like, could you imagine? Like, we get in a car accident, we die. Like, yeah. lose the paper, like hockey players, the four natty ship, dead. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I thought we were going down. I was fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> oh, we all show up to the we all show up to that dinner before on the on the beach. And we all show up and everyone's wearing sandals and shorts and we're wearing fucking dress shoes and suit. That's, that's, that's when you knew we were about to fuck everybody there. Yeah. They're, all, they're all on vacation and we're fucking dressed up in full suits on a fucking beach. They're all, they're all laughing at us. We're like, fuck these guys. We were actually pissed about it. We're like, God damn it. But fuck, we look good though. <laughs> I mean, we had no choice. We threw the the penny rose on the trash, boys. We had to we had to find yeah. some hardware. There was no looking back. It wasn't the one we wanted. We were there on a business trip. Go go take a shit in the locker room. The pen rose is sitting in there. <laughs> oh god! I think other programs get rings for winning that trophy, man. Yeah. We, uh, remember, I remember we woke up from the Penrose party one year and. Uh, the Penrose was out was out in the trash. Like we had like a huge trash stack in front of our yard and the Penrose was just laying on top of the trash in the morning. <laughs> I got a picture of it still on my phone. It's just fucking laying in the middle of the trash. <laughs> just a big old fucking I have that same photo. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh. oh man, that was unbelievable. Um but Stetch, so you're you're going through college. We'll kind of rein it in here on hockey again now. Um, 
obviously your your junior year was just an unbelievable year for yourself and your career. You weren't drafted, so you kind of got the the choice of where you wanted to go play hockey, and you end up in Vancouver. Can you walk us through that choice? What what that was like? You know, um, how you decided to leave? It was the right time to leave college and and further your career in the NHL, and how you how you chose Vancouver in the end. Yeah. Um... My sophomore year, I got invited to Vancouver's development camp. That was the first camp I went to. Um, so that was kind of the first time I interacted with the NHL team and or had some interest and then went back for my junior year and uh, was super motivated, obviously, because of that. And, um, that season, kind of everything was going right for you know myself and for the team, obviously. So um, there's a lot of teams starting to come agent at the time. And then around Christmas time, we had kind of made a decision or a pact between the two of us that at Christmas we would make my choice for the following season, whether I was going to come back or leave. Um, that way, it would, you know, kind of gave Bubs and Jax some time to recruit or allow guys to come in or figure out what they needed. And um, it just so happened we went full distance and um, – after that, there was no rush because we had won, so I was able to celebrate with the guys. And um, if we had lost in national, in the semifinals, I would have had to make a kind of decision that night, kind of like best of situation the following year. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of games remaining in the season for a lot of teams, so they'll offer you those games to burn a year and whatnot. So um, it was nice we went the full way, so I could kind of just like sit back, get after it with the guys at Joe Blacks, and kind of embrace the town and. Um, I ended up making my decision a week later. We took a full day. We knew it ahead of time. Um, we'd narrowed kind of the list down to five teams by then. And then we had meetings with all five teams and we informed them on my decision. So, um, well, than anything, it was just kind of like 24 hours of grueling work. You just kind of got to take one day just to like, do it. And then yeah. that. did you choose, I mean, how much did your choice have to do with, you know, you growing up in Vancouver and watching the Canucks, was that a, was that a huge factor for you or was, was it all lineup that you were looking at and kind of opportunity that you were going to get? I'd be lying. Like if, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a factor, but it was like, it was my hometown. Um, I lived, I hadn't been home since I was 16. So um, it was definitely an added benefit. Um, obviously the main reasons were opportunity, kind of the lineup and what they were telling me. Um but in saying that, there's a lot of teams that tell you the same thing, and then you kind of look at their lineup like, well, they got, they're just lying to you. Like, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. So you kind of got to yeah. decipher who's being honest with you and you know who's lying to you. Because once you sign that paper, like you're their property. They can do whatever they want with you. you know? Yeah, so, um, yeah. It just happened that Vancouver was a situation we, we fell on, and um, I was super you know, fortunate to start my career there. And I played there for four years, and it was great. What was that? I mean, what's that like, Stetch? You know, like you sign there, you, you don't know if you're going to be in the NHL or if you start out in the American League, you know. Um, what are your thoughts there? Is it similar to UND, just trying to find a spot in the lineup? Or did you have certain expectations like, hey, I'm going to be in the NHL club. Um, I don't want to be playing in the American League. Um, well, I think like after I had signed um, going to development camp that year, um I had a lot of confidence in my game based on the season I had and then obviously the success that our team had in winning the national championship you're kind of riding a high and um I knew I was like a highly touted free agent coming out of college there was a handful of us Kaj being the another one so um 
it just adds like personal confidence to yourself knowing that you were wanted. So when I got to development camp, I just kind of took that with me. And I was also a lot older. Like when you go to camp, these kids are 18 and I was like 22 at the time. So I had a really yeah. like strong development camp and kind of dominated there. And then from there you go to the prospects tournament, same thing. Like you're playing against these kids that are in juniors and like, that's a different story. Like the major junior versus college debate, but there is a yeah. big difference playing against men and kids. So like I had, had this really good prospects camp and it just kind of led off into training camp. And I think the way I played in the prospects camp kind of showed the organization what I could do. So they gave me this opportunity that um, I probably didn't deserve, but they were a rebuilding organization. So they're like, we have this young kid, let's see what he can do. You know? Um, yeah. I'm, just- I, want, I wanted to speak on that confidence thing that you brought up. Uh, obviously, you know, you played a ton your freshman year and then it just kind of rolled in your junior year or uh, sophomore year and your junior year. Like, how do you, how do you control those emotions? Like, how do you know, um, the, you know, the difference between confidence and like going over the edge? Like, how do you, how do you ride that wave? And like, what's going through your head as, as you're meeting those successes that come across, you know? It's tough because like it's something I struggle with now, like in today's game and like the situation I'm in at times. Um, I think I've gotten better with it over the past couple years. But when I was first left Vancouver as in Detroit, um, finally got scratched as a player. I wasn't playing some nights. First time ever going through that. Like <laughs> I didn't control it too well. Like I was kind of an emotional wreck. Um, yeah. I think yeah. The, the biggest thing is you when you go to the rink, you can't let it affect your teammates. Like you have to remember you're part of the team. Um, yeah, but on the other side of it, like through juniors in college, when I did have it, I think it was like it's something you didn't even think about. It was just like natural. You're just being yourself. Um, so I think it's a hard level to get to, but once you have it, like it's incredible. It doesn't you just, sure. it seems like you're living your day to day life, honestly. Yeah, that's that's just a big that's a point that I bring up quite a bit. I mean. When you're a hockey player playing with confidence, it's a complete different game. Like the the game slows down for you almost. So I was just I was just curious, you know, did you carry that confidence into Vancouver? And you know, did it did you build off of that? And then, you know, when when did you kind of lose that? When you made the when when you moved over to Detroit, or I, I think the but, first like I brought it, I definitely brought it to Vancouver, and a lot of it was obviously the opportunity that they presented to me yeah. um, that year we finished 29th in the nhl of the 31 teams like we were bottom of the barrel or we a lottery pick team and they were just going to play these young guys to see who could stick and who was going to be a part of the solution moving forward um so for that i think my confidence never wavered because i just carried it from college into yeah. did i deserve that opportunity probably not i know that but at the end of the day they gave it to me so I took advantage of it in a sense. 100%. Um, yeah. How was like, that? I still get it now. Like uh, you can find it every once in a while. You go through a stretch where you're playing well, really well and you know you are and um, you'll falter some nights and uh, just trying to stay even keel. How, how, how was that playing in Vancouver? I mean, it's one of the toughest markets to play and dealing with the media, you know, like they're always trying to get some words out of you um to to make headlines and the fans have got to be pretty tough on you guys especially when you're not having that great of a season you know how much weight is that on your guys shoulders playing in Vancouver when you're not playing too well and you know how much the fans care and how pissed off they are I mean it's similar to playing at North Dakota when you're playing bad but it's it's obviously elevated 
times 10 playing for Vancouver, you know, what was that like dealing with that? It was definitely unique. And uh, now being, I've played in Detroit, LA and Arizona now, and my stint in Detroit was during COVID. So there's no media in the States. Like it's yeah. so different. Um, in Vancouver, there'd be like 20 reporters in the dressing room after a day off optional practice. You know what I mean? So um, it was constant with like eyes being on you, but um, in saying that, like my first couple of years, like I was just like so pumped to be playing in the national hockey league and being in my hometown that like, I thought it was cool in a sense. Like I, I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm playing the NHL. They want to talk to me. This is sweet. Um, <laughs> Um, and then being one of the young guys and the fan base, they're pretty knowledgeable in Vancouver and understanding that we were rebuilding. I think they were just like excited that they had a local young kid on the team. So they kind of, they really embraced me there. They embraced Brock when he was first there. Um, they embraced a lot of the young guys just because I think that's what they thought was going to be our future. Um, as the years went on, obviously like in my third and fourth season, it, it started to change. You start to get annoyed. It gets old pretty quick. Um mm-hmm. But you have to remember that it's probably the same thing in the in America with the NFL teams. And at the end of the day, the media outlets, they have a job to do too. Their job is to come in and ask you those questions and you have to you know show them respect. They're not trying to be assholes. They're there to do their job. And uh, that's just the way it is in Canada. Were there certain reporters, you know, that guys on the team are like, I don't want to fucking talk to this guy. You know, he's a snake. He's always trying to make us look bad. You know, are you trying to avoid those guys or what's that? There has to be some guys like that. Oh, yeah. There was countless stories in Vancouver of it. Um, I remember certain players, like, literally approaching certain media guys in the hallway, pulling them aside and just, like, calling them out for the article they wrote about them, like, the day or a couple days before. Um, I remember there was one reporter. He would cross his arms and hold his mic underneath, like, his arm, and he'd come and just sit beside you and act like he was just, like, chatting you. But he'd be recording the, the conversation the whole time, trying to get, like, watch you slip and say something. So... Um, you, know, you learn pretty quick <laughs> who to trust man. and who not to trust, but yeah, it's, it happens. So, so you mentioned, uh, you know, you went through some struggles when you, you know, you got to the point where you're in and out of the lineup. Like, what are what are some things that you did to kind of, you know, temper your expectations and and work on your mind and and things like that? Uh, just going back down to the fundamentals, like what, what, like why do you play? Um, that's because it's like at the end of the day we love to play hockey it's like it's what you grew up wanting to do um so when you're in that situation you just kind of dumb it down what do what do i got to do to get back in the lineup all right i got to be the first on the ice every single day for practice like i got to stay out late and shoot extra pucks or work on my pivots or something and anytime i'm not playing make sure you get in the weight room get a lift in during the game you don't have to sit upstairs in your suit like you can do extra work when other people are not watching so um, and then just trying to be a good teammate, be encouraging to, to the guys that have success and guys that are struggling, encouraging them to be better. Because at the end of the day, when everybody's playing at their best, it's only going to push you to be at your best. And that's how you get better is when guys are having internal competition. So um, you just dumb it down and get back to basics. And eventually, when you do get back in a large part of it, you're going to be ready because you have put in the work. So it's not like you don't, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. So yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a big part of it. For sure. Stetch, what I don't know if I wanted to ask you about the media side of things because um, you know you look at all these guys that you know you've you've kind of been a third pair, maybe second pair sometimes, but 
Um, those roles on NHL teams are always, they're always changing, always guys going up and down, you know, that's one of the toughest spots in NHL to, to hold your, hold your line there. Um, and you've done an unbelievable job at it. And I think, you know, when I look at your career, I, I, I completely think what's helped you. And I don't know if it's, you're, you're, you're conscious of it, or if you're just doing it because that's what you do, but you're, you're the media side of things for you, you know, like your Instagram accounts, you know, I think it plays a big factor in um, you sticking with the big club, your Instagram account, you with the media, um, you know, you're good with the fans. Is that something that you realize is also a part of the game and you're, you're constantly trying to work on and get better at as well? Because, or is that just something you're just doing because you think it's fun? But I do think um, that's a huge part of, you know, the game is getting fan support. Obviously, you know, you're, you're playing for a coach, but you're also playing for an owner who wants to sell tickets. He wants to keep those fans. He wants to sell jerseys. And, you know, whether you like it or not, if you're good with the media, you're going to be making that owner money and he's going to want to keep you on the team. So I wanted to know if that's something you kind of work at and focus on um, outside of the rink, or is that just something you do for fun and it just helps you out? No, it's not, it's not something I focus on. I think like my Instagram is mostly my dog probably pictures of me playing hockey and my girlfriend so uh, um know, it's, it's what i post on there uh more than anything it's just to be a part of the group chats with the boys and from back home college group chats guys from juniors just staying in contact is the easiest way and uh, you can see a video or a photo of them yeah um, it's good to stay in contact but um obviously understand the situation and the following that you have you don't want to post something that there's controversial so um, yeah keep it quiet and clean and simple and it's pretty easy to move on that way. But I think it definitely had an impact on my career in Vancouver, like being in Canada, but now down in Arizona, like I don't think that's a major factor. Yeah. Um, nothing against the Yotes, but like our following is not nearly as large. So um, I'm not a guy that's putting up numbers. Uh, I play on our penalty kill and shut down D. So uh, I don't yeah. think fans are going to be following my social media and I don't think my social media is really going to have an impact on whether they're going to ex- give offer me an extension or I'm going to get more playing time. I don't think it has a factor here, but I definitely do think it has a factor in Canada. I think it did for sure. Just because, you know, I went and watched you play the jets and um, you've get, you had posters up of, of your dog and yourself, people holding up signs for Stetch all the way out in Winnipeg. And um, it's not like you're a guy who's like scoring a ton of points. So just for a player to have, you know, signs and posters and some are not, you know, not even at their home rink. It's like, that goes a long way, whether you like it or not. I mean, you know, people notice that and they're like, fuck this guy is uh, people like this guy. So, I mean, it has to, had to play a factor in, in Vancouver. And I always, I always envied you for it. I knew, I didn't think you worked at it, but I, you are good at it. And um, I always wish there were some other guys, you know, like a, like a Paul Ledoux who could kind of be like that where, he might be able to get a few more fans, but he's just not as much um, social in that sense. But uh, <laughs> no, I he's think it's worst, and he's the worst interviewer I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and it's the same with like Wooly's good at it too. You know, like people like following him because he's you know he's an interesting guy and fans like that shit. So hashtag free Wooly. Yeah, free Wooly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stetch, I wanted to ask you a, a bit about your your routine um, just during game days. I know 
you're a big routine guy. You had, you did the same thing every day. You know, you taped your sticks, very detail oriented. Um, you know, obviously I think that's part, that's a good habit to have. You're an organized guy. It helps you probably stay clean inside the head. Um, is that something you've kind of even gone further with in your pro career? Is it, you know, you were pretty dialed in college though. So have you, have you changed that up a bit at all? Or are you just kind of sticking yeah. with the same routine? Yeah, I'm pretty dialed come routine time. I think everybody is. Everybody has their little quirks that they like to do on, on a game day. Um, yeah, obviously, get to the rink in the morning. You have your certain things that you do every single morning, usually at the same time without even looking. You, it just kind of becomes second nature. It becomes natural. Um, and, all the, and then it just carries on through the day. You go home, you have your nap at the same time, you usually eat the exact same thing for pregame meal, and then you go to the rink and you do the exact same thing once you get there, probably get unchanged, tape your stick, lace your skates, and probably stretch in the same spot. And um, Yeah, it's... It's just kind of something that becomes second nature being an athlete and something that is almost like a mental checklist for you to be able to perform at the level that you want to perform at, uh, in a sense. So um, yeah. something I definitely, I definitely do, and uh, I think everybody does to a certain extent. How often have you changed your stick specs or skates or gloves? Like, are you are you uh, pretty focused on that stuff? Like, fuck, I haven't scored in a while. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch up my gloves or. Um, I need some new, I need a new stick or, you know, do you have any of those quirks at all? No, I'm not one of those guys. I'm definitely not high maintenance for our equipment staff. I'm probably one of the guys they like. Um, I'm still in my boots right now from last Christmas. I actually got lace bite because they're too broken down right now. So that absolutely sucks. Um, stick wise, I use the same stick like my entire pro career since my second year. I made this curve my second year and I've used it ever since. It's my own mold and uh, yeah, I love it. So um, you should see some guys though. Like it's absolutely mind boggling, like the shit that goes on. Oh, yeah. Like, it's insane. I was, they're just like wasting gear at this point, like wearing oh, new yeah. skates every three games. I'm like, you, like, your skates haven't even broken down, man. I was talking to a, I was talking to the USA equipment manager and he said uh, on average, Patrick Kane goes through like 300, 300 to 400 pair of gloves per season. Yeah. I think Keller and our team only wears a pair of gloves for like two shifts before he like rotates to the next set of gloves during the game. <laughs> he ends up wearing them again during the game, but he has like four yeah. sets of gloves and he only wears them two shifts at a time. Then he'll switch two shifts, switch two shifts. Switch. It's crazy. That's wild. Like, it's That's- that's so nail so nice crispy setting mitts. Like I have one twig in my rack that hasn't been retaped since the start of the year, and that's my practice stick. Like it just this thing won't break. It's just like a wet noodle at this point. But it looks like chopped liver, man. I could care less. <laughs> yeah. But then my game sticks, those are pretty dialed. I got to spray paint get the. Oh yeah. Do you go with the Do you go with the spray paint on the bottom nowadays? Yeah, it's an art project. i love that um so stitch what what do you think when you think back to your time in the nhl what are some of the biggest moments you've had um in the nhl where you were just like after the game you're fucking riding high like holy shit that was a big that was a big time moment i know you i know you've scored some playoff goals um are there any memories that you have that you can bring up that you can think of yeah i mean before anything like obviously i hope to have a lot more like Growing up, you want to win the Stanley Cup, and I haven't really had – I've had two opportunities to play in the playoffs, so those would have been my only two chances at even having a crack, and we didn't get very far. But um, 
for me, I'd say probably my first playoff goal in Vancouver after my dad passed away. Um, personally, that's something that means a lot to me. Uh, pretty emotional moment, that one. And that being the game winner against the defending Stanley Cup champions, St. Louis Blues. So that was a really cool moment um, for myself. Uh, another cool moment that not, <laughs> not many people know, but um, I was on the ice for Henrik Sedin's 1,000th point, which was in Vancouver against Roberto Luongo, assisted from Daniel Sedin and Alex Edler, three Swedes. So like that was like super sweet just to be on the ice for that goal and to be a part of like him in a thousand and more than anything, like growing up in Vancouver and watching those three and Luongo, so those four, like yeah. the Stanley Cup finals and being like a fan of them and then being on the ice for that to happen. Like that was a really cool moment for me. Um, there was a ton of those moments with Hank and Danny just alone. Um, yeah, what, what was it like playing with those guys? I mean, that had to have been fucking crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Like, their last ever home game, it was actually against the Coyotes. Um, we'd won 3-2 in overtime. Daniel Sedin scored the overtime winner at, with, like, 33.2 seconds left, and it was assisted by Henry. So it was, like, 3-3-3-2-2-2, like, just threes and twos. Like, it was crazy how it, like, happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just like they're legends in themselves. So to be able to watch them growing up and then be able to call them teammates was pretty sweet. Do you take anything from those guys when you're playing with them in your in your younger years? You know, like are you watching those guys and trying to emulate anything that they do, or are you learning anything from them and how to act and what to do off the ice in a sense? Um, I don't think particularly like studying them, but I think probably without even knowing it, I did. Uh, just like the way they conducted themselves in the media and the way they were in the community and how much of like money they donated to like children's hospital. Like, they were just like the ultimate professional. It was so easy. That's why like they have so much respect and that's why they're so loved in the city of Vancouver is just because like how much good they did. And I think everybody in a sense that was a fan of hockey and the Canucks in Vancouver at my age probably learned a lot from Hank and Danny without even knowing it. Yeah, that's just, that's just like the type of people they are. I, I truly believe that. For sure. Um, well, does anyone else have any questions for Stetch here before we let him go? Yeah, I got one real quick. Um, you had talked a little bit about the the different challenges at each of the different stops. You know, Vancouver with the Canadian media, Detroit being an original six team, the Kings having you know the most recent success out of all of them or whatever. So when you're adjusting to those those new teams or new scenery. Who are you going to more often than not to get the lowdown on who you should be talking to or where you need to be going? Is that the coach or vets or equipment staff or who do you kind of reach out to at each of the different spots? Yeah. I think for me, like when I got to Detroit, I had two former teammates from Vancouver there, um, and Alex Biega and Sam Gagne. <clears throat> so instantly I just like texted them and then latched onto them when I got to town. Um, same thing when I got traded to LA from Detroit my D partner, basically the, my only D partner in Vancouver, Alex Edler, he was ending up in LA. So I texted him the second I got traded, be like, Hey, I'm coming. And sure enough, he ended up being my D partner in LA. So, um, yeah, just the guys that, you know, and then they know the ins and outs. It's not hard to meet a bunch, bunch of guys. That's the cool thing too. Sorry to like kind of sidetrack, but like when I got to LA, Trevor Morrow's on the team. Like I remember Gage Auspice and I, we, matched against him, Heinen, 
and Gabriel like every single shift our junior year, and I hated this guy. And like he's one of the coolest guys I met. Um, yeah. Same thing with same thing with Gensel. Like I haven't even met him as a person, but in college when we played against Omaha, we always matched against him and Ortega, and we hated yeah. each other. Like hated each other. And now like in pro, without even like knowing him, it's just like com- that common respect thing. Like I give him a head nod. I'm like yeah. hey Gensel, how you doing, man? Like, it's just like it's yeah. cool. so you're, have the you're, forget, having. you're forgetting I have follow on the Kings too. I have followed that guy's an absolute legend too, man. Like you guys surfs on those days off. Like <laughs> sounds like a fake life. <laughs> yeah. Just from Buffalo the- too. It's like how does this guy yeah. from Buffalo surf and play hockey? That makes sense. He's a legend. Yeah. Oh yeah. That no. guy's uh that guy's one of the most interesting mans in the world yeah. there. But that just kind of sums up like the hockey world in general. Like it's such a small world that even if you don't know anybody on a personal level, odds are you've played against a lot of the guys and you're going to know or you're going to have mutual friends. So you just kind of latch on to those guys and it makes it easy yeah. to transition. Uh, out, of all the, out of all the places you've played, you know, where, where are you most excited to go on the road um, and play? Just could be for the atmosphere of the game, could be because what you guys do in the town, you know, what, what's the best places to travel to? For me, it's New York City, no question. Um, starting my career in band, being a West Coast team, when we'd go to New York, it would always be a minimum of five nights. We'd play the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. So you actually got to stay in the same hotel in downtown New York for basically a full week. So that was my favorite road trip, like just the restaurants and then being in New York City with all the sights and the odd time it'd be around Christmas time. So you go see the rock, the, the Christmas tree at the Rockefeller. There's just like so much to do. It was, I, I love yeah. playing. Like, yeah. Madison yeah, Street Gardens elite. Yeah. And then <laughs> the ring, like it's, it's elite. Yeah. <laughs> you well, look in the, the stands and it's just a bunch of guys from wall street. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. actually crazy. Bunch of guys just wearing suits up in the stands, just watching yeah. the game. Yeah. Right right out you come over the start of the game, you sit on the bench, and all you can smell is perfume. They have all the models like sitting behind the bench. Like it's crazy that like, it's real life. <laughs> Mind boggling. Yeah, that was, so st- uh, Go ahead, Mace. Oh, I was just gonna say, so you've been in the league for a while now. Who you've played against a lot of people. Who are the best chirpers that you've played against? Or like mm-hmm. some of the best chirps you've heard? Oh, I don't know. I played with Antoine Roussel in Vancouver. He was like really gutty and he was French. Yeah. So like he didn't care about stepping over the line. That's some of the things <laughs> he would say. Um, like they were, some of the things he said were pretty bad, but um, I don't know, like Tori Krug and Brad Marshawn, both little guys, they've come at me and sure me. It's probably just being another little guy too, but I ain't going to do shit about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my mouth shut try to buddy up with as many big guys as I can, not that they actually care, but maybe they won't hit me as hard and uh, <laughs> try to compete like a bastard. Yeah. Who, who's the toughest player you'd, you've had to defend? Obviously, I mean, I can imagine McDavid's on the list, but, you know, how, who are the guys, you know, you, you, you see him on the ice and you're like, oh, fuck. Um, there's a bunch, but, like, when Malkin is on and like wants to play, like he's like so hard to get off the puck. Like he's so strong. Crosby elite, like puck protecting. I don't know. There's, there's so many guys, man. Like Kyle Connor, I think is like super underrated. Like he's like an extremely good hockey player. Like he's hard to check for different reasons than maybe puck protection. Like he's just so fast and quick and his edge work. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, you could flip a coin. You could say anybody. I could probably argue a case for them. You know, guys are just like at this level are so high end, so elite. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine defending that much. It's you've got to like your off seasons just pretty much has to work on just skating, right? Like just trying to keep up with these guys nowadays because you got to mirror them and defend them. And nowadays, like it's not like the old days where you just had to fucking you know eat them on the wall. It's just your skating's got to be so high level. Is that all you work on this summer nowadays? Yeah, basically. And then you try to do as much as like those slip drills that these kids do, but. I don't know, like, I think obviously it helps, but, like, I don't think my skill at my age is going to really improve drastically. But, like, yeah. if you look at these, these kids coming to the league now, like, the new superstars, they can all, like, their hands are nasty. So that's the hardest thing, I think, is you just got to keep – make sure you have good feet. And that's the best way to defend nowadays. Last question for me. You know, what, what are the changes over the seven years you've been in the league? Like, you know, early on it was more of a, a bigger – you know, faster physical league. And like you said, now the kids are, are skilled, you know, is that kind of the biggest change that you've seen over your time in the NHL or, or is there something else? I think for me, witnessing it and being a part of it, probably the biggest change would be maybe the way like organizations are run and like what their aspirations are for like their team. I think like a lot of decisions that go in from team to team to team are based on where they are as an organization at that point. Are they a contender? Are they a playoff team? Are they rebuilding? I think a lot of that dictates a lot of the decisions that are made. And my first got in the league, I don't think it was like that as much. Um, I think to go to that, the league's just getting younger. Like you don't see like these older guys that are like 34, 35, 36 playing on the third or fourth line anymore. Like it's a lot of times it's a, a younger guy that they're going to be like, okay, we'll give him on the fourth line and he can play in the power play. And then he's yeah. going to work his way up over his career. Yeah. So I think it's kind of changed in that aspect, but I could be completely wrong too. If like the stats don't back that up, but that's just kind of what I feel like I have, I've noticed. No, that's, yeah, it makes sense. that's how I feel too. One, one of the biggest questions that I usually ask is, you know, when did you realize, you know, hockey was a business more than anything else? Yeah. That's the crazy. Like once you get to the NHL, you hope it wasn't that way, but it still is. Like yeah. the politics happen at every level, like yeah. grassroots, minor hockey, junior college, pro, anywhere. It's it's crazy how much like influence it has. And yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You gotta you gotta brown nose some people around that around yeah. that front yeah. office. You don't, you don't want to bring any some, uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well. Um, that's, that's, why, that's why I'm on the show, boys. I fucking hate you guys, but I don't want to <laughs> <be> <laughs> <good>. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Stetch, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for making the time. Um, good luck the rest of the season. Well, I'll be following as always. Um, but no, thanks for thanks for thanks for coming on and hope you're enjoying life down in Arizona. I know you got the uh the floating green out in the backyard there. It looks pretty nice. So yeah. I'll have to make a trip down there maybe with Dusky one of these days and uh, hit you up. Absolutely. Anytime. Bedrooms open. Got a bunch of spare <laughs> yeah. rooms. So. <laughs> yeah. um, Good to see you, Stitchy. Thanks, boys. I miss you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I miss you too, Stash. Thanks right. again, and we'll uh, see you all next week.